Who's ready for WrestleMania? Crickets, crickets, crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Review Review, a show where two small town dudes and today another small town guest give your big dumb opinions on WrestleMania 36. Uh, I am your host, Troy, to the max extreme. Joined always by my hey, I'm Gronk. <laughs> oh no, Gronk is now hosting this episode as well. Fuck our lives. I'm the host. <laughs> I'm the host of Review Reviews Review of <laughs> WrestleMania 36, guys. It is off the chain. <laughs> uh, and we're also being joined by Mojo Raleigh. Uh, so oh, I'm getting all hyped over here. Let's get hyped, man. <laughs> now we once again have Coach Havens back on the mic. Uh, of course we. Hey, always, that's me. <laughs> we 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 usually have you back for the big staples in the year for the wrestling events, and WrestleMania, of course, draws your name back to the recording studio through your own house. <laughs> quarantine it's and a, i appreciate it it's it's <laughs> it's a hell of a thing this uh covid19 it's it's done a lot of weird things especially for wrestlemania my my god you could say that again <laughs> yeah so one of the odd things go, jumping right into wrestlemania i found is like why did they decide to do it on two separate nights to split it up so like the oh, only ahead, thing that I can the only thing I can imagine that their thoughts were on that is that they knew they had a huge card. I think there were 16 total matches. Okay. And that's going to yeah. take you at least at least 5 hours. And to do 5 hours of matches in front of no fans would get very tiresome because I think last year their mania oh, went yeah. from like 6 a.m. to like at least 10:30. Yeah, 6 p.m. <laughs> PM. Yeah, you talk that many <laughs> matches in front of that many people, no matter how many Boneyards or Firefly Funhouse matches you throw in, you're going to get burnt out watching it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I know I felt burnt out. I'm like, oh, my God, this is still happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, And that's with a full-on audience. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, WrestleMania is so long. Right. But I yeah, like even the, even the crowd seemed like tired. Like the last year when we watched WrestleMania, like the crowd just seemed tired by the end. Well, so okay, so last year's Mania, and I know we're getting off to a hot start here. Hot take havens over here. <laughs> last year's Mania had that awful main event of the three-way women's match. And yeah, going back, I did rewatch that match within the last couple weeks because I like to go back. You know, if it's WrestleMania season, I like to go revisit a couple <laughs> WrestleMania. If it's a Rumble season, I like to visit some Rumbles. So I'm a nostalgic kind of guy. <laughs> and going back and watching that three-way women's match again, if you watch it now with a fresh mind, it's not that bad of a match. But if you watch it at the end of a five-and-a-half-hour wrestling show, it is not great. So it's okay. all about the perspective of it. And yeah. I think to that crowd yeah. on that night, they were burnt out. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I, I the only thing I re- the only reason I really say that is because like I kind of missed the NXT show. Um cuz I kind of wanted to see that, but then they didn't have one at all. At least to my knowledge. They didn't miss anything. 
<laughs> so, so I so I heard a rumor that they were going to save the uh well, I mean the NXT shows they do no matter what. In fact, this one they're actually splitting up just onto their weekly Wednesday show. Um all like the big five matches they would have done on one night at the takeover, they're just splitting up to like five different Wednesday NXT programs. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. But the Hall of Fame, I heard that they were looking at putting on to SummerSlam's weekend now. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, because they always do a Hall of Fame and NXT and then Mania. And I heard that the Hall of Fame, because they had already announced inductees into the Hall of Fame this year. Like, they have the whole field set. And I heard that they're going to pass that on to SummerSlam. You know, provided uh, that this is not still going on through August. Sure. Okay. I'm never really like into the Hall of Fame anyway. Like I, I get why like it's a big like pomp and circumstance type deal for them, but like I would never like I like to see the inductees. I'm like, oh, that's good for them. But then otherwise, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> to me personally, to yeah. like have a whole show for it. You and I live in two different worlds. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, as we speak right now, I'm watching a rivalry on the network between Hogan and Roddy Piper from 85, and it is everything. <laughs> Different worlds indeed. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anything, so, because of the big pandemic that's going around, obviously there wasn't an audience for WrestleMania, and they pulled out of being in Tampa Bay and just did the show at the Performance Center, which the last few televised shows have also been at the Performance Center, correct? Correct. For the past three yeah. weeks, I believe. Okay, because I I yep. um, haven't seen any Raw or SmackDown or whatever uh, in a long time, Like to be honest. So like I wasn't quite sure if they were doing shows at all, or if they were actually just doing them at the Performance Center. Or if they still had to fulfill contracts of like going to the stadiums with an empty arena, but didn't make any sense to me. But I, for whatever reason, it made sense that they would still do that. I don't know why, yeah. but uh, but uh, it, I want to imagine how eerie this show would be if they were to have it at an empty Tampa Bay stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, but that being said, like I. I haven't, I didn't see like any no audience shows yet, so I didn't really know what to expect. So going into WrestleMania, having it all no audience, that's like a big part of the show. And like, granted, they kept saying like this is going to be the most unique WrestleMania ever, and th- I'm like, quit saying that because you just mean it's the <laughs> most awkward to watch WrestleMania ever because there's no exactly. fucking audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the the whole pre like I didn't watch the entire pre show for the night one, but I caught like maybe the last twenty minutes of it, and I think Michael Cole said it fifty times. Like this will be the most unique WrestleMania you've ever seen, and I'm like, shut the fuck up! I get it. There's no audience, so it's already bizarre to watch. But yeah, I, yeah, uh... their their use of buzzwords that obviously came down from like Vince and Steph. Yeah. to get over the use of was so bad. The <laughs> yeah. unique and um, the too big for just one night. Like, come on. Like, 
<laughs> oh, made me sick. But I was very pleased to see that on each night they had Stephanie open up Mania with an introduction that basically said, like, hey, we know this is weird. We yeah. know it's strange. We're just trying to entertain you and have you give you a few hours that get your mind off of the craziness. Like that was kind of a relief to see that. I, yeah. I also did appreciate that yeah. too. Yeah. And because like they could have just as easily not done that. Yeah. And I even also like, they didn't even like bring up like coronavirus or anything like during the show either. Like they didn't, they didn't say like, Oh yeah, we, this is weird because of coronavirus. They didn't even say coronavirus at all. So it was like, you could jump into this and it's like, it's weird, but they don't tell you why it's weird. Yeah. And I, I kind of expected that. I, I was almost going to be surprised if they would have said, like, COVID-19 or coronavirus or even pandemic because yeah. Vince has always prided himself on creating this world of entertainment and pulling people out of whatever's going on in their worlds and into his world for a short amount of time. Yeah. And that's what he yeah. prides professional, you know, sports entertainment on. And so I'm sure, yeah. like, this was his, like, pride and joy that he can pull this off. Even when the NFL shut down, the NBA shut down, the MLB shut down, everything shut down. Yeah. But what still trounces on is WWE. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. He always puts over the fact, that, like, we don't have an off season. Where it's like, well... <laughs> Like now we have a <laughs> pandemic season. Are you still on now? <laughs> and they're still going on. They are yeah. planning on going on even forward through the stay-at-home order in the in in Florida. Really? Like, oh, really? Yeah, they're still I, going to do Raw, NXT, and SmackDown from the Performance Center every really? single week. I thought they were, I thought I heard something like they were going to take a break after because I they had, I heard they had the. Raw and SmackDown for this week taped, but I heard they were going to take a break, but maybe not. That was so that there was talk of that over the weekend, over Mania weekend, and they yeah. had everything taped up through last night's Raw. Yeah. But they're already contacting talents, getting them in their, like, their, like, I don't know if they're driving in or flying in, if they can still fly in. But they're contacting talent saying, hey, you need to be here on Friday night for SmackDown and next Monday for Raw. So the plan is now, as I understand, to carry on. Oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, I, I get, like, if it's, like, the one, like, exactly what you said. Like, it's the one thing still running, so it's, like, a form of entertainment for some people. But, like, that still sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? To, like... Yeah. Even like wanna try I think to it brave that for the perf yeah it sucks for the performers and for the cameramen and all that like because they would probably just be as comfortable as we are being home and yeah. not being out there have being forced to work or whatever however you view it um but here they are Vince is bringing them in and like from what I understand they have a hotel nearby that they're putting all the workers in. And they're bringing them really? to the performance center in stages because they they have to stay within a certain number of people within this building. Oh shit! And uh. yeah, so they're like getting shifts down, like from this time to this time, you come over, and then you get bussed back to the the hotel, and then the next wave of people come over. We do your segments. 
So yeah, it's like very well produced, <laughs> but how crazy that Vince is like, yep, we're going forward. <laughs> that is insane. Man. <laughs> and I, uh, and also to the fact that like, so WrestleMania, this is the, well, I don't know if it's the first time it was pre-taped, but like it was pre-taped because they could. Right, because they have no audience. Yeah, and so uh, JT, yep. you were telling me last week that they even pre-taped alternate endings to matches, so like spoilers wouldn't go out. Is that did that hold up to be true? Yeah, or? I heard. Well, I don't know. I didn't look too much into it, but I did hear there was a rumor that they taped for every match they taped a alternate ending, so like spoilers couldn't get out to where like they yeah they filmed. And like a different ending to each match, so like only the editors of the show knew what the actual ending to every match was. Hmm. That's fantastic. I had not heard that. <laughs> after uh, after I, I did hear, I did hear that. I got, I got out. I got out because I guess there was like uh, clips out there that showed like Braun Strowman and Goldberg both posing with like the Universal Title after their match. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> like, I, I kind of like that. Like, I feel like, well, so, so I, I go back. I did hear that um, they had at several times stopped and start and restarted matches in the middle of matches during Mania. If, like a spot was blown or a move didn't look as crisp as Vince thought it should look, that he would yell, cut. And they would redo the spot and carry on with the match then because why not? They could. Yeah. Actually, yeah. when you brought that up last week, JT, I was looking for that in matches, like if they could do a cut. And there's a few times where I could I could tell that like it was a cut and then it was an angle change and then like it was a move right away. And I'm like, I bet you they cut there and reshot that. Like, cause why not? Like if you're gonna if you have the ability to do it and you have a somewhat unlimited time to really get this done. Why not make it as best as you can and redo that stuff? But that also made me think on yeah, like, why absolutely. like I, I know it's WrestleMania and they want to go all out and, and they you usually get to see that during WrestleMania, get the huge pop of a crowd for like moves that you only pull out at WrestleMania or whatever. But I also found it weird that people were doing like such high risk move like high risk stuff with no audience there i know there's an audience at home and i get that but like doing like insane dives like daniel bryan did a dive like during some match and i'm like oh my god he like landed on his neck on the barricade and i'm like but just why why risk it i guess but it's all for you it's know, WrestleMania. Yeah, it's WrestleMania. I mean, I, I get that. But at the same, every time I saw something like totally wild, I'm like, oh my God, why do that? <laughs> There's nobody there to see it. <laughs> but I, I get it. There's people at home seeing it. But like the whole time, like there's no audience. Why why even risk it? How could you even like get up the gumption to do it when you have like nobody like, oh my God, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And then like, there's no one there to do that. So like, so I, I will butt in here and I will say I thought the same exact thing and it hit me probably the same moment you saw it and it was on that Daniel Bryan dive. 
And I was like, what is he thinking? There's not even anybody there. And then I immediately reverted back to our late teenage years and how he wrestled in my mom's basement in front of nobody. And we did some of the yeah. stupidest shit ever stupid down there. Shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we did it for nobody. Not even an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> at the same time, like, yeah, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Right. But these guys are professionals at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I, I oh, do we're professional it. basement wrestlers. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, I, I understand that 100% more than anybody, really. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, they, yeah, but the professionals, but yeah, the, but they have more of a reason to do it because they're getting paid. We didn't get paid. <laughs> Very well. Put. You got paid in four 12 packs of pop every Sunday. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to curse you for my, for my late, for my uh, stage of diabetes I probably go through <laughs> later in life. Understandable. Well, you ne- <laughs> to be fair, Joel, you never really finished a soda. So <laughs> they were just lying That's about this house. <laughs> Ask That's my true. mom. She hated I was Joel. The- <laughs> I was I was the, I was the signs girl of soda back in the day. Oh my god! <laughs> just in case I just let, I left open cans of pop all over the place, <laughs> so you could swing away. <laughs> oh my god! I think this is the second week in a row we brought up signs. <laughs> uh, well, why don't we just jump right into the card? I have it right in front of me here, and we can go through match by match like we usually do. Did anyone see any of the pre-matches, like on the pre-shows? I watched, I watched the pre-match for night two, but I didn't see the one for night one. All right. I'll, I'll... I watched the pre-match for both. Okay. And Gulak and Cesaro was a good, solid match, but I will say that it was weird. Okay. Because... Yeah. Gulak and Cesaro are both kind of mat-based guys, uh-huh. and watching them, if you had not watched any of the previous um, Raws or SmackDowns leading into it where there's no fans, and you just pop it on for the first time because it's WrestleMania, and there's no fans, and it's these two guys, maybe not my favorite thing to start the show off with. It was a good match. It was a great match between two very talented performers, but it's weird not in front of fans yeah yeah okay very good um well then why don't we just jump into the first real match of night one uh with alexa bliss and nikki cross and the kabuki warriors for the what is this which tag champ the raw tag championship i believe it's just the is it just the women's tag champ yeah, the women's tag, yeah. They don't have, like, a specific brand of women's tag match. Oh, okay. So, yeah, just the, the women's tag championships. Yeah. Um, I really like um, Asuka and Kairi Sane together. I, I, I like the Kabuki Warriors quite a bit. So, it, I thought it was fun watching these. Um, but, then, um, I, but then, at the same time, like, I don't remember a ton about this match either um i so i i love the kabuki warriors i think they're fantastic they're fun to watch um i love i think almost more than anybody that excels in front of no fans 
is Asuka. Oh, because I yes. noticed in this match particularly, her voice when she's wrestling is so unique. Mm-hmm. Just with her constant yeah. chatter in the ring is yeah. so cool. Like it brings me more into her character than it does when I can't hear her. Yeah, yeah. There, um, actually, this match and there was, um, uh, I'll I'll come to it later when I we get farther down the card. But like, they, for the lack of audience, I I like them for their chatter in the ring, and maybe it's because. So this is what I think, right? And I don't know if it's true or not, but like Japanese audiences are a little more reserved, correct? And so like maybe Asuka is like used to having like no nothing going on except for a little like applause here and there. And so it's she's used to like filling out sound for like a, a, a fairly quiet arena and maybe she's used to that. And so maybe that made her pop more. I don't know. That's just an opinion that I have, but like, I think it works well, that's a really regardless. Good point. Yeah. That's a fantastic point. I yeah. had never even thought about that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I am going to crack open this Miller lights and fuck my pancreas. And I am going to cheers myself for that opinion. <laughs> I think you, you need a celebratory Miller light for that one. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, but no, uh, yeah, very good point, because in Japan, the crowds are more silent um, until the ends of the match, mm-hmm. or only for the yeah. big spots in the match, and that's where, yeah. like, I've always thought anybody then, that yeah. has more vocal ability during a match, the match just means more, because mm-hmm. you're in the match more. Yeah. I think yeah. it also helps, too, that, like, it is also a tag match, so you have more players going on. So you can have a little bit more banter and play with it more than just a singles match where it's like a one-on-one kind of deal. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on the match there, Bucky? Uh, I think I thought it was a strong opener. Like, uh, like I didn't, I didn't watch the, uh, I didn't watch the uh, opening or the uh, the pre-show match. So this was kind of like my like. My introduction to what this show was going to be like, and uh, and it was weird, but for what it was, I still had fun with it. I thought it was it was still a pretty good match. Yeah, yeah, the match as a whole, I really liked. I liked the Kabuki Warriors, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross make a good team. I am not a Nikki Cross fan. I cannot get behind her. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> I just don't care for her, but. I like her in the tag team with Alexa Bliss because I don't have to watch her in a singles match. And that sounds terrible of me to say because I know she's a pretty good worker. But, God, I just cannot get behind her. Yeah. But the match as a whole was really fun. And I thought it set a good tone for what WrestleMania with no fans could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're – if uh, after all – after you hear what all we have to say, if you want more commentary on this, I know uh, – Eric Bischoff for 83 weeks did like a total uh, review of WrestleMania 36 that I thought was really good. And he really points, he points out like some good points about like there's some wrestlers in different matches where like they're so used to working in front of crowds that it's like they're trying, they're work, they're trying to work in front of a crowd that's not there. And it's kind of jarring for this kind of environment. 
Yeah, I and like it almost, it almost kind of makes me want to go back and rewatch a show to, with that in mind to see like, yeah, why are you acting that way when there's no one to really play to? I noticed so, that a few times while watching the show is that like somebody would like hit a move or whatever and get up to immediately like uh like show off for the crowd that's not there and they're like oh fuck <laughs> and like you could you see it for a second and you realize like ah you're going for the crowd that's not there like you look into the hard cam or whatever but uh yeah. yeah so i real quick i since we brought up that point i watched both nights with my wife and she's she's a wrestling fan she's not like a super fan like we are but she watches it and she said the same exact thing where every time that someone would get up and taunt to the crowd in the match or would do something that they would do in front of a crowd, but makes absolutely no sense when there's no crowd there, it totally pulled her out of the match. And she was like, well, that's stupid. Why would you do that? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, you're totally right. Why would you do that? But then you kind of have to think like, it's probably not them. Like, Oh, you know, do your normal thing like there's a crowd there, but it's more of a habit. Yeah, it's like, muscle memory. You're so yeah. when, when, you know, the last time some of these people have never wrestled in front of no people. They've always had a crowd to wrestle in front of. So why wouldn't you do that? That's muscle memory. That's what you do every single time. Yep. Yeah. Uh I also watched this with Chelsea. She was kind of in and out during both nights, but she the whole time like she's not she's probably even less of a wrestling fan than Katie <laughs> but she actually actually the last few months she has said to me like I kind of miss you not watching like every pay-per-view cuz sometimes it's fun just to have like a sporting event on and we have pizza and we just have it on in the background I I miss that and so I was like well WrestleMania is going to be in a couple weeks and so we had it on and but she's like she couldn't get over not having a crowd and it's like, it's so weird to watch and it made it so awkward for her to watch because she's not in it for necessarily <laughs> the athletics. She's in it for like Simon. The theatrics. <laughs> yeah. She's in it for the theatrics and getting, pointing out Simon in the crowd with, with his mom. You know what I mean? And so then <laughs> they, they weren't there. So she was not into WrestleMania this year. Regardless, I made totally her watch. I made her watch six hours of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, the next match was Elias and King Corbin. Uh, Elias ending, uh, uh, actually defeating King Corbin. I, to be honest, I didn't watch a whole lot of this match. I yeah. think I was making dinner or something along this along the time, but uh. This was kind of the it's just their match for me. Yeah. Yeah, they had a couple of these matches on on the card. Oh, it spread out over the two nights. This the only thing I so two things I remember about this match. The build up was the one time that I noticed like, oh, they have no fans. They can do camera cuts now. Because Corbin's on the balcony. Yeah, pushed him off a balcony in the performance center, and they totally did it where, like, okay, Elias fell onto a mat, and then they pulled the mat out and cut back to him, and, oh, he fell on the concrete. Yep. Yeah. So that was like, oh, they're doing movie magic now. Cool. But then the yeah. other thing was Elias won, and he had music. <laughs> 
so we we had an I, ongoing I, chat during wrestlemania as well and like you also brought this up while we were watching it <laughs> i've never heard his music before because he always comes out to the guitar chord and then he starts talking yeah but i never knew he had music when he won and then he never wins <laughs> Exactly. I was like, wow, listen to that. He's got music. As for the match, yeah, it probably sucked. I really didn't pay attention. <laughs> but I think that's going to be a downfall of this WrestleMania as well because it's like it has no real crowd. Like it's hard to it's kind of awkward to watch and so a lot of this WrestleMania is watched while also on my phone. You know what I mean? And this was a phone yeah. this was a definite phone match and I probably didn't pay oh, yeah. a lot of attention and i think that's going to be like for a, a whole ton of people as well so it's the most yeah. well, and unique I think... wrestlemania ever <laughs> yeah well and they said it was the most uh what was it like the highest social media account ever for this wrestlemania and they like they they are putting that over on everything that they can i watched a little bit of raw the following night uh from mania and all they talked about the entire night was, oh, it's the most talked about social media WrestleMania of all time. That's yeah. because everybody's on their fucking phone the whole time. Yeah, yeah. and that's not necessarily always <laughs> like, good nothing else is, Literally nothing else is happening. <laughs> yeah, there's no other entertainment that you can possibly watch. So why yeah. wouldn't it be the most talked about WrestleMania of all time? Yeah, and um, I would like, say on probably my, a third on my more. station, they'll put up like uh, They'll put up like any kind of new movie or whatever, and it's like... WrestleMania was like on the main banner of like PlayStation as like this is the one thing that's happening tonight. Yeah, they had <laughs> they had YouTube ads for WrestleMania. Like shit. Like I you I'd pop open like a binging with Babish fucking thing and it'd be like WrestleMania, two night event, blah 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 blah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I've never well, seen so, this before. So breaking away a little bit from the matches, I know that going into Mania this was before the whole pandemic hit and shut everything down. There was some talk, and I wasn't too deep into researching it, but there was talk of WWE really trying to get back into, like, the pay-per-view model. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know how far they got along with that because I'm sure once this whole thing went with the no fans, it really turned a lot of people off and probably changed their, like, plan going forward. But... This they were like planning on something huge for this mania. Like they really wanted to pull back like the traditional pay per view model. Yeah. So that's probably why it was stressed so much everywhere else too. Okay. Well, yeah. Like I heard, like that's why they were. That's why they brought Goldberg back, and that's why they were making sure they had all these big. They were trying to score all these big names because yeah, I think I heard something like. They were either trying to do a pay-per-view thing or they were trying to do, strike a deal with ESPN Plus where, like, they tried to do, like, a pay-per-view scale thing with them to oh, where, like, yeah. you had to pay a certain amount through ESPN Plus to buy, to, to watch WrestleMania. Yeah, so it's still going to be, like, on the network, but it's also going to be available on all these other platforms, too. Okay. Yeah. You know what? That would be... That'd be kind of cool because, like... If it's on ESPN Plus, then anybody that has like the big package on Disney Plus also gets that as well, so it gets eyes on it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Because I noticed, so I, this show also was shown on Fox Sports One as well, correct? Ah, uh, you might be right in that. Yeah. 
I thought they were I, I saying think, that on I know the pre-show. The, I think the pre-show was. I don't know if it was, was the actual WrestleMania on, on Fox Sports 1. I can't. I, well, I don't know. That's what I was asking you. Because I thought that's what they said, was that it's going to be on. I know the pre-show was. Okay. Might have just been the pre-show. Oh, okay. Well, regardless. Um, and then I know that um, last, let's see, the Monday, the Tuesday after Mania, the Tuesday after Mania, they were doing uh, like three WWE 24 specials that they, they do on the network on Fox Sports 1. So they're really branching out. Well, I, I think it's a, a, a good idea to get more eyes on, you know, what they want. Do you want to get it as popular as it was in like, you know, 20 years ago? But, uh, right. That I, I don't think it's a terrible idea that it, there's trying to still get on network stuff. Well, it's not even that Fox Sports 1 is a network thing, but it's least on a cable package. You know what I mean? But, uh, they also note they made like an a, uh, a, an effort to say that it's also available for pay per view as well. So I find it I just found it kind of weird that they had all these outlets to watch either the pre show or WrestleMania that they weren't just pushing to get the WWE Network because I noticed that like at the end of the pre show when they're like you can catch it here 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 and here and here and here. I'm like damn, that's a lot of places you can watch WrestleMania. It's like, yeah, why, why aren't definitely. you pushing your yeah. own product? I guess that's what I was thinking. But if you're gonna make a WrestleMania like eighty bucks a pop on pay per view, I guess why not do that? I guess I don't know. That's crazy. Why not just pay the ten bucks a month, baby? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Well, why don't we head back into the matches? The next match I thought was odd that it wasn't higher on the card, but it was Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler for the Raw Women's Championship. Yeah. Uh, this match, I was actually watching this while we were recording because <laughs> I was there's two matches that I missed when I was initially watching it was this and Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn. So I was I just got done watching this one and uh going back to what we were talking about of like people of like uh certain wrestlers throughout the show like uh, playing up to a crowd that's not there this was such a I like this match but it was kind of like polarizing where it's like I thought Shayna Baszler was really good at acting like it was a fight in front of nobody and then Becky Lynch was the one that was like playing to a crowd that wasn't there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that struck me as like okay, a little over the top for the current situation was Becky Lynch arriving in a big rig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like yeah, that was like what the f- why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, super super cool entrance for WrestleMania if there's eighty five thousand yeah. people there watching. Yeah. When no one's there, what are you freaking doing? Yeah, who gives a shit? How does this help you at all in this match that you're driving in a semi truck? Yeah. Like and that and I totally agree. That's the one thing that comes across. Honestly, I don't remember much about the match itself. I don't know. which I don't know what that says about it, but I agree that I remember Becky Lynch doing a lot of those like posing type things. Yeah. And but like in in her defense, like she does that like regularly. Like she'll do like a 
she'll do like a spot where it becomes like a close call and then she'll do that like that head nod where she's like kind of like head nodding to like people cheering and she does that here too where it's like no one's cheering (laughs) (laughs) right and i think that's where it goes back to like it's out of habit that's what you do every single night of the week and now it just so happens there's no fans there well it's kind of hard to change that habit yep yeah but then, like, Shayna Baszler I really liked in this because, like, she seemed so no-nonsense that, like, she really fit this kind of format in the same sense. Like, she was oh, just, definitely. like, like she was just, like, always in your face, like, I'm just going to rip your head off the whole time, where it's, like, that that could fit for a crowd, but, like, especially for something like this where there's no crowd, like, she looked like she was there to do her job because there was no one to really play to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like Shayna Baszler, and I hope that this is not like the end for her as far as like at the top near this because I think like she's she's tailor made for being the champ. And oh yeah, she's perfect. Like, she, yeah, she needs to be the champ where people chase to come to her because she had that role in NXT yeah. for a year. And it was fantastic. Yeah. She went through so many people, and they all like rose to that occasion, and then she would just shut them down. And the match, if I remember right, it was a good match. I don't remember much about it, but it was a shocking ending. I really expected Shayna to take the belt. Yeah. Yeah. No, the the match altogether was really good. Like, they, they do, like, a really cool back and forth at one point where I'm like, fuck, like, it's really good. Them just kind of, like, even despite the fact there's no crowd there, like, I, it, it was so good near the end that I was kind of invested even without there not being a crowd. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, there, There's actually a few matches where I was watching, and I'm like, would this, like, I, I can tell the match is good, but, like, the crowd elevates stuff so much. I feel bad that we just keep bringing up that there's no crowd. Obviously, there's no crowd. But, like, even when I would watch, like, if I'm going through Twitter or whatever, and I just see, like, a video clip, and I'm watching it with no sound, just to see the crowd riled up about something is enough energy to, like, it triples, quadruples what's going on in the ring because it's the energy around it that's really making this, like, moment or whatever. And it just sucks. You're totally right. It just so I so for instance, I I'm watching right now on the network a Roddy Piper Hulk Hogan rivalry story, and yeah. Piper just came out and confronted Hogan in Halloween Havoc '96. I have it on <laughs> mute. I'm not listening to anything, but I'm watching the thousands in the arena go crazy that Roddy Piper just came out, and it's I can totally read it. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes to what you're saying that like, even if, you know, just having crowds in attendance yeah, makes a difference. Even if they're quiet, yeah. it makes a difference. Right. I know. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, this, uh, this next match, um, Sammy Zayn with uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke with Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. I, uh, I didn't see a whole ton of this match. Like, for whatever reason, I got pulled away. And I think I was, like, making dinner or whatever. But I did kind of catch a chunk of it. Um, I actually wanted to see this match because I haven't seen Sami Zayn wrestle in forever. And him 
with Cesaro, I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> this seems like a, a pretty great match, especially against Daniel Bryan. And I, I feel bad that I didn't uh, see a ton of this match. So, what'd you guys think of it? I this ahead, is Buck, probably up there. First. Uh, this is probably up there is one of my favorites of night one, just based on the fact that like. Daniel Bryan beats the living fuck out of Zayn in this match. <laughs> the only thing I remember from this match is the freaking dive that Daniel Bryan does. And that's and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, that and God, like the kicks and slaps, like they really utilize like the negative space of noise that they have in this where it's like you can see Daniel Bryan is kicking up kicking it up a notch in terms of strikes where He's doing everything that he can do that makes a sound, because that's what that's pretty much what you have to do in this kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think out of everyone, I think he's the one that uses the no crowd the most to his advantage because he he has like that ability to strike in safe spaces but make the noise where. You, you feel like you're watching an actual fight where he's actually beating the fuck out of somebody. And there was a you point watching he... it. There's a point watching it where I was like, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> what did he do to you? <laughs> was that on the uh, curb stomps? Because that's oh, what I thought. God. Oh, my that, God. Like, the kicks to the chest, too, it felt like a little stiffer than usual. And, like, Every like and like the slaps to the face and like him was getting in his face and yelling when he's like giving him slaps. I'm like, he like I feel like Daniel Bryan's the one that gets it the most. That like this is what you have to do with no crowd. Where like, up for a person sitting at home watching this, you're like, what the fuck did Sami Zayn do to you <laughs> that you're doing this to him? <laughs> you know why they both know how to wrestle that way? Because they both wrestled for Ian Rotten. In IWA mid Oh yeah! Oh yeah! No kidding! Yeah, where there was no crowd. Like a, yeah, you. Yeah, this is a you definitely wrestled in front of six no people crowd. at one point, kind of match. I was actually gonna ask if these guys were in Ring of Honor at the same time, but then you guys brought up IWA, so never mind. My my point is moot. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I do have to say, this is you know, Hot Take Havens has to make an appearance at some point on the on the podcast, right? Of course. Settle in your seats because Hot Take Havens is about to come. <laughs> this was my biggest letdown of night oh, one. Oh my word! Oh really? It really was. I think, and it's it's purely on me. I had my expectations set real high for this match, and. I think in my head I was thinking 2010 Daniel Bryan El Generico mm-hmm. when I sh- can't think that way. You have to think realistically. We're not in 2010 anymore. This is 2020. Yeah. The guys are 10 years older and they're in WWE and Sami Zayn has gone through how many injuries <laughs> where he's, his style has completely changed. Same with Daniel Bryan. And what they gave us was a great match, especially, like you said, Bucky, for that arena. Yeah. But in my head and in my heart, I still wanted that El Generico American Dragon match from 2010. 
Yeah, I could see that. But even, I feel like even if they were still at that capability for this type of environment, I think they still would have had this kind of match because I think this match was perfect for the environment they were in. Like, if they were to do, like, a whole bunch of high spots and, like, stuff that they could usually do in front of a crowd, it's so, like, what they would do would be so elevated by the fact that the crowd would be into it. But they had a match that you could be into watching it from home where you're invested in the fact that it feels like an actual fight in a way. Sure. Yep, and I totally agree. And I think I, after I watched the match and I had those initial thoughts, I was like, God, why am I thinking that way? Because that match was really good. And I kind of had to take myself back and be like, no, that match was good. I was expecting something that was unrealistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like even if they were to do like what they could have done, like even 10 years ago, I don't think it would even have that kind of like impact. Like even if it was the match that you wanted, it still would have been like, Oh, well it didn't feel the same because there wasn't a bunch of people in the background going nuts. Exactly. Yep. They, they, they made the best out of the situation they had. And I think it was probably the best made out of what they had. Yep. I agree. Yeah, I might go back and actually watch this match in full because I feel I feel bad that I didn't catch a whole ton of it. Oh, it, it's you, fuck, you it's so good. I felt bad for Sami Zayn watching it. Like he starts turning red at certain points just from all the fucking kicks <laughs> and slaps he takes. Like Jesus Christ! Um, I do have to say though, I did think during this match, God, how far has Shinsuke Nakamura's star fallen? Oh my God, it's plummeted. Like I know, I don't even get it. Why? What happened to that poor guy? It, as soon as he left NXT, it was just like, <laughs> just everything took a shit. All just, totally. It's the same reason why Vince McMahon has like the two Japanese women on his roster. Be like, put them in a tag team. Oh yeah, because he just doesn't get it. <laughs> like, yeah. fuck. How many? How many people of different races are just like? put in a fucking category but yet i don't ah, don't give me sorry right exactly <laughs> yeah it's just like he sees someone from a different country and he's like well then that's your gimmick i, I don't get it but that's your gimmick and i'm gonna give that to you and yeah. uh whatever yeah like, I, I yeah i get frustrated by that shit i i they could even... legit they could have presented like shinsuke nakamura as like another like muda and they just decided not to there's so much they can do with Shinsuke Nakamura, and they can still do with Nakamura, and they just don't. Yeah. 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 I'm not even, like, the hugest fan of Shinsuke. Like, they, like NXT made, like, a huge deal of him coming in, and when he was introduced, like, I was like, okay, like, I, I guess I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his style. And I, I love his entrance. <laughs> like, it's another, totally. like... Finn Balor situation where I I just don't get the aura surrounding him. Like I I I love the persona that he like gives off to an audience, but then like in ring, it's not my favorite. So like I I, I don't know, but like it is a shame though for he had this huge like the entire audience would sing his entrance music to him go to yeah. the main roster where. 
he fizzled out to nothing very quickly. I feel like in my heart of hearts, it was all because of that match he had with John Cena on SmackDown when he first debuted. Because I remember watching that match, and it was like his first match on SmackDown when he came in. And he gave Cena his weird back suplex and dumped Cena on his neck. Oh, <laughs> my God, yes. It's, it's on the network. Go check it out if anybody wants to. I don't know when it was. I think it was yes. the summer of, like, 2018, I want to say. But oh, my God, he yeah. dumped John Cena directly on his head. And I was like, oh, my God, right there. Vince is probably thinking this guy's done. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Ken Anderson. Like, Ken Anderson did that to Orton back in the day. And they immediately lost faith in Ken Anderson. And I feel like Nakamura was the same story. It's dumb shit like that. Like, that's the thing that always drives me nuts about, like, one small mistake in a match. And then it's just like, Vince just gets, like, this idea about you. It's like, ah, never mind. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Like, you you could have, like, you could have, like, 10 or 15 years of good faith Everyone is on your side, and then it's just one thing where it's just like, oh, I don't get it. I, have... I don't know. <laughs> well, wh- why don't we jump on to the next match here? We have uh, John, oh, excuse me, John Morrison versus Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston. It's a triple threat ladder match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Championships. Would you guys? Yeah. I actually checked out um, a good chunk of this match. I I actually quite liked it, but what was the stipulation that only one person was in the match for the tag championships? Well, they had to make up for it because I guess I heard that, like, The Miz said that he had, uh, I think he had, like, a fever, and they kind of took precautions that way. And it was like, I think oh. it happened like that day. So they had to like really make up for it. So, and because he was the other half of the tag champs, they were like, well, okay, well then we'll just have one member of each be in it instead of having tag teams. Okay. Yeah. That's what I heard too. Okay. Uh, that's, I mean, that's too bad, but I, I mean, I think the match was pretty good overall though. I think it was like the longest match for that night. Um, and I, I thought it had a pretty fun ending to it as well for them, like having to pull an audible. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, what I was, they did with the ladders, given the situation, I thought was pretty good. I was a big fan of this match. I thought it was, I mean, it's it was right up there with like a good solid ladder match. Like I know mm-hmm. we keep saying the no fans thing, but this really to me had no effective no fans. Like they did all the huge ladder bumps. They had cool God. spots. They all gelled well together. It had a cool ending. Yep. Like, I thought, fans or no fans, this match held up there. Like, this was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really liked the finish of this match, too. I thought it was a really cool finish. Yeah, I don't think you could yeah. do the finish if... Well, maybe you could do the finish if, like, it had, like, six people in the match. But it worked well enough with just the three in there. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a fun match. And... Really, honestly, my first real good look at John Morrison since he's been back because his Rumble performance was like three seconds when he got tossed out by Brock. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> so fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I mean, if you you know, unless you watch the weekly product, which I feel like a lot of people don't anymore, this was really your first time seeing him. 
you know, I mean, he was in Elimination Chamber, but, you know, and he won the tag belts, but this is his first big highlighted performance, and he looked just as good now as he ever has. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, he was he was good in this. I think he was probably the more the most standout person in the whole match. Yeah. God, I've all, I've been impressed with him ever since I saw him on fucking Tough Enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then he's been Man, you're like, going way back. <laughs> but like for real though, like he's always been like a super athletic like gymnastic type guy, you know what I mean? It's like he can do whatever in the ring. And then he's jumped around from WWE and he went to um did he ever go to TNA? Yeah, he went everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. He but was he, everywhere. He jumps around so often that like he's oh he comes back to WWE and I don't even know if he left or not. Like it's so frequent. <laughs> <laughs> that like and then I see him like acting here and there and other like short things. Like he was in um like YouTube shorts for this other channel I used to watch as like playing like Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, wait, are you still working oh, nice. for are you still working for WWE and you're doing like this? Like, are you hard up for money or what's going on here? But like so he's <laughs> he's all over the place. But like I um uh yeah, anyway, the the latter match was really great, in my opinion. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, he really used his parkour abilities <laughs> if you didn't know because he told you 37 times <laughs> guys i fucking love parkour parkour is fucking cool as shit especially when michael cole is way into par- in parkour if you didn't know parkour is when he uses his surroundings to jump off of and use them to his advantage <laughs> and if you didn't know that just listen to that match and they'll remind you 13 times <laughs> over how much he bought he beat that back to death God. <laughs> uh why don't we jump to the next match kevin owens and seth rollins i thought this was this great. Is a really fun match this was probably one of my so- favorite match matches of the night oh yeah this was okay I'm a, it's, this is going to get real intense here for a second. Oh, this oh, was shit. this was my favorite match of the night until I rewatched certain matches earlier tonight. Okay. Oh shit. So after this, after night one was over, I was saying Owens Rounds was my night one match of the night, but that got changed yeah. later on. Okay. Oh, I loved. Wow. I loved the interplay between the two of them like these two excelled with no fans because they had it goes back to the oscar they had so much talking in this match that you could hear because there was no fans and i felt like there was such emotion in this match that it came off so good yes that's oh yeah one of my points why i like the match too because both of them can talk shit to each other and because there's no fans you can hear it and it like elevated the match in that way where you can just you can hear them fucking hating each other and wrestling each other. So I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, but I felt Owens, like this was Owens, like a brawl where you're just listening yeah, to them Owens talk always, to each other. Owens has always been so good at talking throughout his matches. And that's the thing I appreciate the most about him is you can constantly hear him talking throughout all of his matches and like 
it's like he, either he adds a commentary to his, all of his matches that I think no one else really does. It really sets him apart from everybody. And especially in like a situation like this, it really helps him stick out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like when we would see him in like IWA like, and he would be live, he'd still be talking shit the same way he was at yeah. WrestleMania to whoever. Like he does just do a live yeah. commentary of his matches. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, and where that might not come across so well on TV when there is a crowd of 10,000 people, when you don't have that crowd and you're tuned into what he's saying, it just makes him seem like, holy shit, this guy's awesome. This guy's shit-talking the guy he's beating up as he's doing it. Yep. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like like this match. I I keep forgetting like what's on night two compared to like, but I think this is my favorite match. Uh, probably on all of night one was this one right here. Um, I liked the Owens jump off the thing off the WrestleMania sign too. That was something that like that's pretty nuts. The only only time they did it the whole two nights. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's only real crazy bump throughout the whole the both nights and like. Yeah, it's a legit like, like you can kind of see that there was probably a crash pad underneath the announce table, but it's still one of those where it's like fuck, like you could still fuck that up and hurt yourself, kind of things. Oh, I don't even know if I yeah, saw one was... under there because I thought they would have, but maybe they did like alternate cuts. That'd be weird to have them go through a table multiple times, but I didn't think I saw one under there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. I thought I saw. Because I know when, when Shane McMahon does his, like, you can kind of see, like, a bag sticking out, and I kind of saw it with him. Mm. Okay. I kind of thought the same thing. I was looking for it because just, I mean, I've seen it enough times. But I kind of saw it, but at the same time, it didn't seem like other ones that are, like, visibly obvious. So I wasn't sure. It was yeah. very up in the air for me. Like, ah, oh, maybe there was one, but maybe there wasn't one because it is Kevin Owens, you know? Yeah, maybe they're just like, ah, oh, we'll just do it. Yeah. No pre-planning it. We'll just go do it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. It's yeah. All, we'll it's all, we won't tell anybody. We'll just do it because we're cool. Yeah, it's all pre-taped and premeditated, but like, fuck it. We'll just do it live. Who cares? <laughs> fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> did you have, Troy, did you have, maybe this is a night two match. Did you have Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley or was that night two? That was night two. Okay, getting yeah. ahead of myself. Yeah, that was night two. There's only two more matches on night one, and that's uh, Braun Strowman and Goldberg, and then the Ooh. Boneyard match are the only things left on night one. Yeah. So what would you guys think of uh, Strowman and Goldberg? Who had thoughts on Strowman and Goldberg? <laughs> I, I, I guess it was I, definitely what I thought it would be. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure. Like I I don't know. I I don't know why I thought anything less. I I found it weird that they they actually kept Goldberg. Well, I guess Goldberg is a big enough name that like it make people still want to watch WrestleMania with no attendance or whatever, but still <laughs> I don't know. It, it didn't do much for me. So yeah, typical like you guys said. Like, I just, this is exactly what I expected it to be. Um, I'm a little surprised Strowman won, but I actually there's actually more 
fun information I found out after the match than I had found going into the match. So I I read that there was talks of Jeff Hardy actually. What? Being the original <laughs> replacement. Yes. There's talks of Jeff Hardy being the original replacement for Roman Reigns once Roman pulled out. Okay. <laughs> so to me, that sounds way more intriguing than Braun Strowman. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But then, for whatever reason, I don't, I haven't found out why they went with Braun, and I follow Braun on Instagram, and he said on Instagram that he actually had just got done making a twenty-hour drive up to Wisconsin from Florida to visit family. <laughs> Holy and, shit! Yeah. And he literally like was at his family's house in he didn't say where in Wisconsin, but in Wisconsin for an hour and he got a call from WWE when they made the call to put Strowman in and they said, You need to be on the private jet at nine thirty and you're gonna be down here at like one in the morning and you're doing your magic over tomorrow. Jesus Christ. One in the morning? <laughs> yeah. Well, because they flew him. Like, he got on the jet at, like, 9.30, and then he got down to Florida at 1 in the morning, and then he, like, that morning, they were filming Mania. And that's when Jeez, he had to be Just to have, like, a fucking, like, two-and-a-half-minute match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not even two-and-a-half. Wikipedia says this minute was two minutes and ten seconds. <laughs> Holy <Jesus>. shit. <laughs> yeah. And it was exactly what I expect from a Goldberg match in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. I'm surprised they keep bringing him back. Like that. Uh, well, uh, well, but I, I think they brought him back this time is because what we brought up earlier that they were trying to do the whole pay per view thing. Yeah, sure. I, but, and that's like, going to get a lot more buys. Yeah, and Goldberg in it. Yeah. Oh fuck, man, that's fucked up. Well, anyway, with that, but he's match, definitely. He's definitely past his prime. I mean, I love Goldberg, but like, I mean, I oh, guess he's not past his prime. He, that's all he ever did. Like, that's all he ever did. So he's always going to be in his yeah. prime as long as he can lift guys. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm not a fan of Goldberg. I've never Goldberg was like an overhyped. Goldberg is the Ultimate Warrior of the '90s. That's a very good comparison. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like a useless piece of shit that w that they knew how to sell him. That's that's pretty much all he was. Yep. Yeah, I've never gotten into Goldberg either. Um, up until like his, the he came to WWE and it was like the aura of him. You know what I mean? And like, but still, he just kind of did the same shit. He was never really super impressive. So I I don't know. That would have been like the height of it for me when he like was first introduced to WWE. But like, even then after I, I kind of like seeing him now just to see if he's going to like fuck was... up. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. But like when he first came to WWE, it was almost like a, Hey, this is a chance that it could be a reboot. Like maybe he's going to be something more than he was in WCW. And then it wasn't. No, it never was. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last match of night one. Man, we've already gone an hour and we're not even into night two yet. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it, it, 
is uh, the Undertaker versus AJ Styles in the Boneyard match. Troy, I want your opinion first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only laughing because I already know what it is. (laughs) So, this match, uh, I don't know anything pre-up to this or whatever what caused this match, but it seemed to me from all the information I gathered that nobody really knew what a Boneyard match was. Turns out, it's just like a Buried Alive match off off the grid. You know what I mean? It's not in the stadium. It's just somewhere else for it to have a WrestleMania with no audience. And you're bringing back the undertaker and you have an, you have AJ styles who I feel like can still do whatever you need him to do. Right. He's still super athletic and he's still strong enough where he can do a lot of stuff that other people like lighter guys can't do, but he can still fly around I feel like this match is a bit of a misstep not having it in a ring or in a, in an arena. And I feel like it's a high production value backyard match. And I do not like it at all for all the things that they are available for them to do with editing. They had multiple hours to shoot this if they needed to. This is what they gave us. And I feel like it's lackluster, boring, and shitty. And I do not like this match at all. So you guys have the floor now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll go next. So how many times have you watched it, Troy? Just the one time because I do not want to revisit it. (laughs) Okay. Hear me out. Now earlier I said Owens and Rollins was my night one match tonight Get when the I first fuck out of here. All right, go ahead. No, <laughs> I will not. Let me have the floor. So immediately upon viewing this match, I had the same exact feelings as you. I was watching with my wife. We both said the same thing. Terrible match. This is so boring. I hate this match. It's awful. Same exact things as you just told me. I wanted to give it a second chance because I heard so so many people on the internet were up and down on this. I heard people hated it. I heard people loved it. Same. But I thought it at least deserved a second viewing. I watched it earlier today before we recorded. It became my match of the night. Oh, my God. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. I don't know what changed. I don't know why I didn't see this on the first time. But, like, you said this would be better in a ring. I disagree because i think taker's best moments in the ring are past him i think him having this produced match that has the as as hokey as it can look and i think they tried to make it look and it's it's wrestling you got to take yourself out of the it has to be in a ring it has to be this it has to be grappling and put yourself in what wrestling is going towards in the future. This is an example of what wrestling could be in the future if it's the sports entertainment wrestling. Okay. And this is the movie magic. Vince McMahon always said he doesn't do wrestling. He makes movies, pal. Well, this is making movies. And for what they had the capability of doing, I felt like this was a good start. And the, I really enjoyed it. I don't know how to put it anymore, but the second viewing, 
something clicked and I was like, man, that was actually really good. And I thought on the first viewing that it went on and on and on and on. Second viewing, I was like, oh, you know, it was like 20 minutes. It wasn't that bad. I, I thought like I thought it drug on more in the middle. It really didn't. So I recommend checking out it again. Now, Bucky, tell him how great it was. <laughs> I, well, I kind of want to go back and rewatch it now because you're talking it up so much. When I watched it, I I appreciated it for what it was. Like I really liked that WWE is now taking this opportunity that they have no crowd that they can really play with the idea of what constitutes a wrestling match. And because this was night one, this is my first experience in terms of like what's a recorded type produced wrestling match outside of like the uh like what was it like the like the Matt Hardy like uh compound matches or whatever that they used to do. Like this was like my first experience with it and I thought for what it was, I thought it was interesting. Like I, I I couldn't say that I was like a huge fan of it when I first watched it, but when it was all said and done, I really liked that they tried it. And uh, when we get into night two, I'll talk about what they do there that I really, really, really liked. But with this, it was like, it felt like a really cool try. And like, like what you said, what could be the future of like sports entertainment and wrestling in general, where it's like, if something like this were to happen again, you could make like a show based on like a match like this. Yes. Okay, so let me re-emphasize with the points that you guys made. I feel like this match is a step in something different that can be great. And I feel like if this is taken and elaborated on it more, this would be a cool stepping stone. But then things later yet to come, which could end up being great, you look back on this and be like, yeah, it was quaint, and fun, but overall, it wasn't as good as what came after. And I and granted, like things are always built on things that came before it, and you can't always like they they're gauged on how much of a an experiment they wanted to do at the time. But like having two experiences on each night, kind of playing with the playing with the product, right, and having it be pre-taped. This one, I feel, pales in comparison to another one that they do later on. And I I, I, I feel like even on a rewatch, I feel like they are not, they're not living up to each, uh, each wrestler's, like, strengths. Like, granted, The Undertaker is, he, he... He's old. Like he he can only do so much now and I get that. I even watched like a little bit of the the uh the Undertaker doc like the first look after it and I get it. He even knows it himself like I'm getting up there where I can only do so much now and I understand his limitations and that's not necessarily my issue with it. It's just that I feel like the where it was set it's just so boring to watch these guys meander around this 
phony graveyard and throw each other around into things. Like, I don't feel like that's entertaining at all. Like, I, it's really boring to me, especially for it to go on for 20 minutes. So that's my, that's <laughs> my enough. thoughts. But I, I recommend another viewing though. Not when you've already watched three hours of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. May, I, I'll, I'll give it a college try. I have, Quite a bit more days of quarantine going on. Maybe I can squeeze it in. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you don't like it, and that's that's your take. I thought watching the second time, I was thoroughly way more entertained. All right. And plus, I'm not saying it was far and away the best match of the night. Like I still loved Rollins and Owens right up there. I loved the triple threat ladder. I loved the opening women's tag. But, I mean, this one, I think, just a notch above, just because it was so different took me to that level and, and i yeah. also missed a, a grand undertaker entrance as well like that's one of my favorite things to look forward to at a wrestlemania and he didn't really get it so in that so we were supposed to go down to mania when everything was going on and i specifically yeah. told my wife i was like the one thing i'm looking forward to, to mania i don't care about any of the matches is i cannot wait to see the undertaker's entrance at wrestlemania yep so I totally yeah. agree with you on that. Like a huge bummer in not having one of those this year. Yeah. Yeah. And if like if you were to come out as biker taker again, I would have lost my fucking shit. Oh yeah. Same. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> that was the one thing, even despite all the pre-tapeness of it, like the fact he came back as like American badass biker taker, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> It was super cool. And then the ending of it with him just leaving on the bike. I don't know, man. It did everything for me. I'm smiling thinking about it. All right. Well, that was but, night one. Unless you have anything to add before we jump on to night two. Like, no, the only trust thing that me, I can't wait thing, to get to that opening match. The only thing that I'll add about about uh, night one is that like I, I just appreciate the pre-tapes. The pre-tape matches for this one and night two. I'll talk more about night two, new two night twos when we get to it. But like, I just like how different they were. Or it's like, yeah, I know you don't you didn't like the night ones so much, but it's like both of them were so different, and that's what I like the most about it. Like, I think the best comparison I heard of it where it's like. Night ones is like a Sylvester Stallone action movie where it's like it's a guy that's kind of older doing an action film and then it's like night twos is like david lynch like <laughs> making you think like what the fuck is happening type and it's like both of those styles will meet like an ideal of like what tells the story and it's just a matter of like which one hits you that will like determine whether or not you like it or not so it's like they but the fact they hit both of those it's like, well, fuck, then how could you hate it? Because you, you got both. Sure. But what, Well, what? and I appreciate WWE not resting on their laurels and being like, you know what? We do wrestling in the ring, and they're going to enjoy it no matter what. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Like, they gave us something different that was entertaining and broke up the monotony of it. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we jump into night two? There was a pre-show match, Liv Morgan versus Natalia. Um, I caught the tail end of it. It looked okay. Um, Liv Morgan looked better than I ever remember her looking. So 
uh, like wrestling wise, not just like how attractive she is. <laughs> but, or both. Uh, Dude, yeah. I, I brought this up in our in our group chat when we were talking. Liv Morgan is wearing a top that was so tight. It looked like she was strangling the shit out of her breasts. <laughs> oh yeah. It was it uh it was very form fitting, let's just say that. <laughs> form fitting? It was stringing the fuck out of her form. It was like flattening her form. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Christ. So the uh, opener of the whole show was the singles match for the NXT Women's Championship, and it was Charlotte Fa- uh, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Cole. Versus who? Rhea Ripley. Yeah. yeah. You your girl, your girl Cole. <laughs> you you oh, have you have I'm... the floor for a, a little bit here if you'd like to go on. Well, <laughs> I'd like to have the floor with Rhea Ripley. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> first off, wow, like just just wow. I got I got I can't say much more. Like, but seriously, how awesome. Did Rhea Ripley look? But beyond that, um, the match was good too. You know, no, I'm just kidding. So the match was fantastic. Like I loved this match. It lost me at some points, and I'll get onto those points. But Rhea Ripley, for as much as I go on and on and on, and old King Kong, ancient Eric himself, will tell you that I'm a little ridiculous about it. I. <laughs> absolutely think that Rhea Ripley is one of the best wrestlers in the division right now for WWE. Like, she is fantastic. She has come so far in such a little amount of time. Like, I love watching her wrestle for many reasons. But her and Charlotte tore it up for like, you got a match time on this, Troy? It was like 25 minutes. Uh, It was actually 20 minutes and 30 seconds. 20 minutes. It was... Such a long match, especially for to start out the show, and especially for a women's match. I mean, not that there's any, you know, they go long now, but wow. The only thing I didn't like about this, and then I'll I'll get off my soapbox, was from a a wrestling point of view, when Charlotte was attacking the knee, Rhea did not really stick to that her knee was hurting. She was doing so many moves planting off of that hurt knee and using that hurt knee and things that would cause her to use that hurt knee that I was like, come on, is your knee really hurting? Like what's going on here? That was the (laughs) only thing that took me out of the match, but fantastic match. I loved it. I was thoroughly shocked that Charlotte won almost as shocked as I was that Shayna did not win on night one. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, great match. Great match. Yeah, I uh, I was uh, go ahead. Uh, I I was a huge fan of the opener of the show. I thought it was a super strong outing for the second night, and I I kind of did notice um, what you were talking about, Cole, like Rhea Ripley not really selling the knee a whole lot. But what took me out more was like it felt like Charlotte Flair wanted to taunt to the audience like a lot, and that's what was kind of taking me out of it so much she she's so adamant of like getting on the crowd's bad side or vice versa that she would like by like muscle memory want to 
go and like woo to the crowd or whatever, or like hit a move and pop up and like, just like prove how great she is to the crowd. That's not there. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like that, that's the only little stutters that I found myself like kind of like picking on me during the match. But otherwise I thought it was a super strong opener. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I, uh, Fuck, I forgot what I was gonna say at the beginning here, but um, but no, I I I uh, <laughs> I read like some articles online that I guess uh people said that they had to turn down the volume of their TVs watching this match because they didn't want their neighbors to think they were watching porn. <laughs> I heard that too. Because <laughs> it was Rhea Ripley was extremely obnoxiously loud on her selling, Jeez. like. <laughs> Over the top screaming. Also didn't help that but, she kept saying, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I thought it was really weird that every time she was selling her knee, she was saying, fuck me harder. Oh, Jesus. No, I would have lost it. I, no, that, no that's like, not I, true. Like, I, would, I wouldn't have been able to contain myself. <laughs> but I, get, um, I, 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 I like the finish of this match a lot because it's like the fact that Charlotte Flair has won the NXT Women's Title. Like it really shakes up what what is NXT gonna do now, and it almost makes me want to like tune in and see like shit. Like what are they gonna do with her as the champion? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah make it as like this. Uh unattainable thing where like kind of like a having Lesnar, you know, have the championship or it's like this. Yeah. Like what if like Brock Lesnar came in and won the NXT title and you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing. Like Charlotte is this like top of the tier women's title, you know, and now she's yeah. got the NXT title. So it does. Yeah. And it creates so many fresh matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially being an NXT, and I guess they're doing like a like a big ladder match tonight to determine like the number one contender for it. And it's like, like all the women in there are so new. Where it's like, I I want to see all of them in a match with Charlotte Flair, and it's like going to be one of them. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by the time this podcast drops, uh, that match is done, and I think I read that Io Shirai won. So oh, oh, really? right there is a fantastic fresh matchup oh, of Charlotte yeah, and Io Shirai. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, that'd be really cool to watch. Yeah, like matches that we're not going to get to see, you know, because Charlotte's always wrestling the Natalias or the uh, Liv Morgans. But now it's all this new NXT crap of women. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, jumping into the next match, Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, I have grown okay. to like. So, this was, I, I only I butted in because this is the match I thought we forgot on night one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I watched this one. I watched this one today because I had no recollection of it from watching it when it actually happened. This yeah, match strikes me as the match, and I don't know why, but I it just hit me when I was watching it. This match was hurt so bad by not having a crowd of eighty thousand people. Yeah, for yeah. I think Alistair Black for number one, Alistair Black's entrance was 
awesome with nobody. It would have been over the top amazing with a huge entrance ramp and 80,000 oh, people. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Sure. I mean, it would have been something that people would still be talking about. Like, oh, I remember Aleister Black's entrance. So cool. Yeah. And then Bobby Lashley looks really good in long tights. Like, <laughs> he needs to stick with that long tight look. Um, yeah. And the match blew me away with how good it was. Yeah, I thought it was I, I know, strong. I, this is one of the matches I was looking forward to the most because it seemed like such a clash of styles. And I was like, I don't, I can't see how this will turn out. Yeah. I honestly was not looking forward to this at all because I hate Bobby Lashley. <laughs> I think he is a useless piece of crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> not a fan at all. Like, the only thing he was good for was that terrible promo when he won the ECW belt back in 07. <laughs> and oh, God, I got to find him Bobby Lindsay. <laughs> my man, Bobby Lindsay. My man, um, Bobby Lindsay. <laughs> oh, my God. But, no, like he's done nothing for me since he left WWE like in 08. Like, his impact run was garbage, I think. His run since he came back has been nothing earth-shattering. But this match, oh my god, I loved it. And I wish that it would have been in front of 80,000 people. Yeah, I, for sure. Like, I went into it expecting nothing, because I haven't been following Lashley at all. And Aleister Black has actually grown on me, like, a lot. Like, I kind of was like a little bit mild on him when he was in NXT. And then I, once he actually has been actually doing things on like the main roster and he's been impressing me more and more and more and more. I'm like, man, like I now want to see him all the time, but like Bobby Lashley for what, you know? And then for even to have him come out with Lana, I'm like, why is he having like a manager come out? Like, that's what I thought, like, when any manager came out during these, I'm like, what are they going to do? Like, that's still going to do, like, the same kind of shit? And kind of, but it, it worked in this match a little bit. And I thought, I, I thought by the end of this match, I was like, oh, that ended up working pretty well. Like, it was a nice, tight, uh, what was Wikipedia say, seven minutes and 20 seconds? It, I thought it was pretty good. Like, yeah, nothing to really write home about, but, like, nothing offensive at all like it was a nice tight solid match and i had fun with it no yeah i agree i had i had fun with it too i i love alistair black like even when he was seeing like uh, like what i saw a little bit of of his in the independence i thought i i've always loved his stuff because he always does like that he always like these like these weird strikes like he was like the first person I see to do like a spinning like knee kick. <laughs> I was like, "Holy fuck, that's cool!" Yeah, his offense is super unique. Yeah, and then like having like that finish of that that's that spin kick to their face. It's it's so effective. It's like anyone could see that and be like, "Oh yeah, the match is over." Yeah, and he hits. Oh it yeah, he clean just murders and- people. And he hits it so good every time. I'm like, how do you fucking do that every time? <laughs> yeah. 
And especially like this time, like Lashley was going for a spear and he turned around and clocked him with it during like the spear. I'm like, how did <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> yeah. His timing with that is perfect. God damn. Anyway. So yeah, a, a breakout, a breakout match, Alistair Black and Bobby Lashley. Who would have thought? Yeah, uh, it's probably the sleep. It's probably the sleeper match for me. Oh, I was yeah. curious Definitely. going into it just because it's like both of them have such different styles, and I wanted to see what would kind of stick out from them. And yeah, I was I was invested all the way through. I really liked it. Right on. Uh, the next match was Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, yeah, total opposite. Yeah, <laughs> man, I fucking love Otis so I, much. I also <laughs> I have, Otis. I also have not seen a ton of Otis. I only have been watching like sporadic pay per views here and there, but like everything that I've seen of him, I fucking love him. Also, like he is so. I don't know why, but he's so magnetic for me to watch. Like, I just want to see what he's going to do, <laughs> especially since like every time I see him, he does something crazy. Like, he does the worm. <laughs> he fucking, like, did, like, a back handspring one time, like, fucking Tajiri, like, against the ropes. And I'm like, what the fuck is this 300-pound dude bouncing around the ring for? Like, he is hypnotic, okay? Like, he, he really is. Dolph yeah. Ziggler in the back seat. Like, I, no. I'm fucking sick of Dolph Ziggler. And I've been sick of him for a long time. But I thought he came out... <laughs> And like I hot take Troy back there. <laughs> like he just is the same shit all the time. Like I don't give a shit if he comes out in a jean jacket, leather jacket, all the same shit. The one thing I wanted to talk about and I did with you guys on the chat already and I thought he came out and it looked like he had fake hair. And then when he took off his yeah, bandana, it just... jean jacket, leather jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> I thought he had fake hair. That's the only thing I wanted to talk about. And he took off his bandana. It was his same hair. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't even want to talk about anything anymore. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler is like, ah, uh, he's just that guy that just won't go away. Yeah, and he's not even like, that I, bad either. It's just like, God, I don't give a shit about you anymore. Like, go away. <laughs> No, I think this has been the discussion for Dolph for years. He is the classic case of the start and stop pushes from WWE to the point where it it hurt him as a character. For sure. And it's not that, like, he's bad. It's just, like, he's been the same for so long. Like, if he found a way to kind of like evolve himself as a character, I'd probably be more behind him, but it's like he expects it's like he expects everyone to be like, I'm so good, but then it's like, but you've been the same for fucking ever. Like I don't give a shit right. anymore. Yeah, regardless if you're trying <laughs> yeah, to be like, face or heel, it's the yeah. same shit, you know? Yeah. You like he's yeah, like it's... he's like Hulk Hogan, like he's like Hulk Hogan, but he was never as over as Hulk Hogan. It's like he's still doing the fucking gimmick he was doing Back in like 2008, but yet he's expect. But he's like, "Hey, I'm still doing it. Don't you guys love me?" And it's like, "We didn't love you back in 2008. What makes you think we love you now?" <laughs> yeah, you fucking idiot. Get out of here with your fucking doll yeah. hair. <laughs> Trying to break up Otis and Mandy. Damn it. God, let Otis shine, no, you I piece fucking, of shit. I fucking love Otis so much. Like I, 
I feel so bad for like Tucker Knight and like Heavy Machinery because he's he's riding the coattails out of Otis so fucking much. <laughs> because it's like it's like here's this super charismatic, very oddly shaped dude, and then being <laughs> teaming teaming with a guy that's just there. He looks and it's like Humpty like, Dumpty. He does, but he's oh my god, it 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 adds to him himself so much. Like I Man, every time there was a, I think when uh, WWE did that first Saudi Arabia show, I remember going to your house, Troy, and we're watching that like greatest Royal Rumble or whatever. And then Tucker Knight came out, and I was excited because I thought Otis was coming out next, but he didn't, <laughs> and I was so pissed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this. I mean, this match didn't do a whole lot for me, but I love seeing Otis, so I guess that's a win for me. Oh. I yeah. agree. The Otis. match itself did nothing for me, but Otis is so cool by himself. Yeah. I love Otis so much. <laughs> Great. I'm glad we're all in agreement. I all the money. Um, the next match, I feel like this could be maybe split a decision, but... Uh, We'll see. The next match was the last man standing match, Edge versus Randy Orton. Uh, Wikipedia says this match went on for 36 minutes and 35 seconds. So felt like an hour and 36 minutes and oh, 35 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> this match felt like fucking forever. Jesus yeah. Christ. If I, wasn't, if I wasn't chatting with you guys during this match, I would have fallen asleep. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Like, this is definitely one of those matches where you're just on your phone. Because, for real, like, I already yeah. don't really care for last man standing matches. Because they always go around and, like... I, I've i come to know, maybe just tonight, I've come to this realization that I like a match in a ring. Like, I I don't care for <laughs> well, We all know that now. <laughs> I don't care for matches that go anywhere else. Because it's... all Like, as... as as expanding as you think it may be, it's also very limiting because, like, you can't do what you can do in a ring. You can only do, like, some fucking dumb bullshit, which this match was. Yeah. And, like, it, I get the sentiment of it. And, like, I think, uh, Joel, I you were telling me that, like, or telling the group, rather, that, like, Edge did sell the ending to this match, which I agree with. Holy but, yeah. like, to get there oh was God, such yeah. a struggle. Oh no, yeah, it took forever, but man, at the end, I was, the, the Edge sells the ending of this so well, like it made me so excited to see what he does next. Yeah, but, it, but he, it's so, like, Chelsea, not even a huge wrestling fan, knows Edge or whatever, and she said that he looks haggard. <laughs> like, he does look, oh, yeah. he is looking old, like, in the face, for sure. He does. But it almost makes you like him more, where, like, he just seems like this fucking, like, <laughs> like this haggard badass, where it's, like, like <laughs> all the, the all the promos that they showed before this, like, the whole thing that he would sell was, like, I've got grit. And it's, like, man, you're, like, the personification of grit. <laughs> like, you look like something called grit. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. But he is in the best shape of his career. Like, he looks oh, totally. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. 
But this match, my God, I don't know what I was doing during this match, but we watched this show out on our patio, which I thought was really cool because I was like, oh my God, I'm watching wrestling outside. It's so awesome. But <laughs> I, I did something during this match where I did not see the start of it. And I was gone from the TV for a long amount of time. And I came back, and they were just getting to, like, the weight room of the match. Holy fuck. And that was and... Like the beginning of the match. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, okay, this match has been going on forever. And then I proceeded to sit there for the next three hours, and the match still didn't end. So I don't know. Oh, my God. I... This was my least favorite match of the weekend. I hated it. Yeah. I didn't yeah, like... I'd, I'd probably say that, too. I would have rather seen a nine-minute in-the-ring match where they took three bumps For than sure. yeah. this 36-minute saga that just drug on. Yeah. And then apparently had this really <laughs> controversial spot that I missed in the middle of it with the Chris Benoit thing. Oh, oh I, yeah. The, like, uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, Randy Orton like tied him up against something on a weight, on a weight set, and it kind of was like semblance of like how Chris Benoit committed suicide. Yeah. And like, after hearing that, like somehow that got missed in the editing process of this match because somebody was like, yeah, that sure. That's fine to put in this match. Nobody will ever think of that, but you know, there's the internet. (laughs) Even when they got into the weight room, I'm like, Oh my God, don't hang anyone on something. And they sure enough, they go right over to like these, these like ropes hanging from like a fucking barbell set, and I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> why? Like we just had the fucking Dark Side of the Ring episode of Chris Benoit, and you're just doing this shit already. Oh shit! Yeah, they probably taped this on the day that that aired. <laughs> yeah, the day that came out. <laughs> God. See, I I wouldn't even no, have caught just... that because I had no idea. I mean, I knew the whole Chris Benoit thing, but I didn't know that he did like hung himself on a weight bench or whatever. So I wouldn't even have called. Oh it. yeah, that's yeah. too bad. Yeah. Real dark <laughs> shit. Um, um, yeah, huge miss for me on this match. Like I was looking forward yeah. to Orton and Edge. Even the last so man I. standing, I was kind of like, okay, well they can still pull it off. But man, what a miss. Yeah, I also found it yeah. weird too, where in their traversing of the performance center, that they're in like the boardroom, and the boardroom has like steel cage ceiling. Like what the fuck is that? What? <laughs> like was that only there so Edge could hang off of it and do a shitty elbow drop? <laughs> was that the only reason it was there? Because otherwise, it's a fucking odd aesthetic choice for this fucking boardroom. I love, I love when they they start going through the garage. I think I tweeted something where it's like some Florida, some like sketchy Florida indie promoter is watching this and casing the place for when he wants to steal shit from it. Because they do, like, a legit, like, tour of the whole fucking garage. And you can see, like, ring boards and, like, ring posts and shit in the background where it's, like, you could literally watch us and, like, know where to go to steal an entire ring if you wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, Well, then, why don't we move on to something else? Move on further down the show. Uh, the next match is the street profits versus angel Garza and Austin theory. So like, uh, this is also for the raw tag team championships. I don't know who angel Garza and Austin theory are at all. 
But um, I am enjoying seeing the Street Profits come in. Because uh, I've been liking them more and more as I see them. But what do you guys think? Yeah, um, no, they're good. Yeah, I'm the, kind of the same with you, Troy. Like, I, I liked in NXT, and I don't know about you, Bucky. You watched a lot more NXT than I did. The Street yeah. Profits did not really get big in NXT until, like, right before they were called up. Yeah. So, I didn't yeah, they see were a lot of them like, NXT. Yeah, they were like kind of like a second-tier tag team. Like, they... Well, they... I feel like uh, like the Undisputed Era kind of overshadowed them in terms of, like, tag teams. Like, so they were kind of like that second-tier, like... They're the tag team we put with, like, the upcoming tag team that we're bringing into NXT kind of thing. But, no, they're always oh. good. I always love Montez Ford. Like, they're another one of those tag teams where I feel like Montez Ford is, like, the star. And then, um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Dawkins, isn't it? Angelo yeah, Dawkins? Angelo, Angelo Dawkins is, like, the guy that's just kind of, like, riding the coattails. Because Montez He's Ford is... Marty Gennetti like, of the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Montez Ford is, like, super athletic. He's super charismatic. And then Angelo Dawkins is kind of like, yeah, right, dog? <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah, I, I can agree What are you talking that. about? Angelo Dawkins has that sweet spinning splash in the corner. Fucking Christ. <laughs> it's terrible. I don't hate that, that spinning thirty seven times every match. I don't I hate fucking that. hate it every time he does it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I that's like the best thing he does, so every time he does it, I'm like, oh good for him. He's got a thing. <laughs> oh, Shut Jesus, the please. fuck up, Troy. <laughs> just by just by spinning he takes away from the impact of it, so then it's like, hey, look at me, ring on the rosy, whatever fuck. <laughs> it looks like he pats him on the belly when he hits him. <laughs> Listen, guys, it's the only thing he has. Quit taking it away from him, okay? God. Well, I'll always something take else, it away. It fucking sucks. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, as far as Angel Garza is fantastic. I Angel Garza is really one. good. Oh, my God. And then like he's got like the facial reactions of just the smarmy heel that you just want to hate. And then Austin Theory... I don't know much of Austin Theory, but I know that he was big in Evolve on the Indies right before he got signed. Yeah. So I'm yeah, sure he was like a lot of champion for he was like the Evolve champion for a long time. Okay. And, uh, and I... So one of the things in this, uh, so uh, Montez Ford does a dive to the outside on him, where like Angelo Dawkins is also there to catch him. <laughs> yeah. And that's because like um. The Raw before this, like, Montez Ford does a dive to Awesome Theory, and Theory just totally does a fuck it and just, like, does a shitty fucking, like, push-away cell where, like, Montez Ford just eats all of that fucking ramp. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm like, God damn. <laughs> oh, I saw that. That was brutal. Yeah, and I fucking hate anyone that can't catch a dive. Oh yeah, you have one job. It's to break the impact of the guy flying through the air. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, and even took it in a way where it's like fuck this. Like he just like he like took it with his hands and then just kind of like rolled all over to the side and let fucking 
Montez Ford just eat all of the fucking dive, and I'm like, all right, I already fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I I I want to say, was he even in a match on Raw? Austin Theory. This might have been like his debut match. Yeah, well, they brought him in because uh, Andrade got injured. Because it was supposed right. to be Andrade. It was supposed to be Andrade and uh, Angel Garza against Street Profits. But he got hurt. Hmm. So they brought in Uh, uh, Austin Theory. Okay. And then what did you guys think of Bianca Belair debuting there at the end? I thought it was cool. I I, I was waiting for her to come up because she's she's been really good on NXT. Yeah, and she was in the Rumble and had a huge showing in the Rumble. Oh, yeah. Totally. I I I think she's a great fit for Street Profits. That'd be pre- that's I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and I didn't know she's, this. She's married to Montez Ford. Yep, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Hmm. Go right on. Uh, yeah, I I thought it was a great match overall. Like I actually I did thought or I think at one point though that they were gonna do like a hot tag spot. And I'm like, why would you do that with no audience? But they never did. <laughs> but like, it felt like they were gonna do that at some point to me, and I was like, this isn't the time or place to do that. But like, that was my yeah. only thing. <clears throat> I was, I was more like, I watched this is one of the matches that I rewatched today before we podcasted, and I, it was so quick, like, <laughs> I. My three-year-old was running around trying to get me to cut him an apple, so he was carrying around a large butcher knife, so I was a little nervous about that. I didn't want to turn into a Troy Potter. Um, Watch your feet. But I was I was a little nervous when he was carrying around, so I had to, like, rewind the match, and I rewinded, like, I thought only, like, a couple minutes. Well, here I rewinded way past the beginning of the match. So the match itself was only, like, what was it, like, four minutes? It wasn't long at all. Uh, six. So okay, six minutes. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, a good, a good hot six minutes you bet you bet uh well that will lead us right into the fatal five-way elimination match for the smackdown women's championship featuring bailey lacey evans naomi sasha banks and tamina (laughs) tamina So, like, I went into this match cold. I had no idea who was going to be in it besides Sasha and Bailey because they had, like, a promo earlier in the night. And to see everybody come out and Tamina came out, I think, maybe last? I'm not sure. But I could just feel the group chat in the phone in my hands wanting to be like, fuck this, (laughs) because Tamina came out. Yep. God. Jesus. They didn't. You guys didn't even have to yeah. say anything. You, yeah. I could just feel it through the phone. <laughs> Tamina is the biggest. Why the fuck do you still have a job? Of anybody <laughs> in the entire company, like for real, Tamina. Like, I, I there's yeah, so many I, women on the roster. Now. There's so many women on the roster now. Why have Tamina in the match? Yeah. Especially. I mean, there was a, a part in the match where they bring up like uh, Tamina, Sasha Banks, and Naomi, and their whole like team bad thing. And then like I can't remember where I posted it, but I posted it in like some kind of like our chats where I was like, 
this is the first time WWE brought up something that everyone forgot, as opposed to people <laughs> bringing up something WWE forgot. <laughs> like, no one fucking remembers Team Bad. It was so fucking dumb. Oh. <laughs> Just Tamina in general. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, but regardless of Tamina being in the match or not, uh, I thought this was a pretty, I, I thought it was a pretty decent match, uh, especially for Lacey Evans. Uh, cause I haven't been like a huge fan of her, um, anything that I've seen really, but like this one kind of turned me around on like, okay, maybe she's got a little more than I, um, expected. <laughs> Uh, Lacey Evans has really upped it in the past, like, couple times I've seen her wrestle. Yeah. Like, she is turning into someone that I'm actually enjoying watching. Now, with that being said, I completely hated the ending to the match where she had to get that salute in. And it was the most ridiculous, long, (laughs) drawn out, I'm going to put my hand up to my forehead and salute. Yeah. That I've ever seen. And it was so dumb. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree but, with that. Oh my god, it was so stupid. Like, but with that being said, I didn't care for this match that much. Yeah, I I thought it was slow. Um, number one, I hate Tamina. If I haven't said that enough already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I don't find. Ever since Bailey turned heel, I don't find Bailey interesting in the least bit. Okay. I think that she's slow plotting, like which okay, a heel should be slow in plotting, but they should also be interesting still. I think she's lost a lot of her like interesting characteristics. Yeah. Sasha didn't do anything for me. Naomi was out early enough. I didn't really pay attention to her. Yeah. And then I liked Lacey Evans. I liked her whole deal up until the end and everything but it wasn't enough for me to really enjoy this match. I thought this was right up there, probably the second worst match of the entire two nights for me. Oh, really? Uh, I, yeah, I was not a fan. I think it's okay. For me, I think that's a kind of harsh saying. It's like a, one of the worst matches. I think it just, it was a little underperformed. I still like Bailey and I appreciate WWE wanting to like turn her heel to try something completely different than what she was doing for a long time. And so like, I still, I still like her and I like, because I know she can do good stuff, but I'm kind of disappointed in like Sasha Banks. Cause like maybe she, they didn't have like a whole lot of shit planned for it or whatever, but like, I know she can be great, but I just haven't seen a ton of it lately. But granted, I only go from like a few months here, months here, but like, I don't know. And with Naomi also there too, like I am surprised that like they didn't like pull out a lot of stops for like a WrestleMania match, you know, like get Tamina fucking out of there real quick and then have like a fatal four or like a four way elimination with some really great talent who can do a lot of stuff. Then instead, like they got Naomi out and then fucking Tamina stomping around and they're doing God knows what, you know what I mean? But then Sasha Banks, yeah. I felt like, was underutilized. So anyway, that's yeah. my, my thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't... like Bailey. Bailey as a heel is so weird. Like, all she really does is just kind of bitch about social media. 
<laughs> yeah. That's like her whole heel thing is like, oh, Twitter says I'm a bitch. <laughs> All she really does is like, man, like I would have liked her more as like, like uh, I would have liked her to do more of like a, like a Bo Dallas type thing where it's like, she still thinks that everyone loves her. Right. That would be way more interesting. Mm. Yeah. I feel like she's very like single sided as a heel. And like one sided, and it's like that's the that's all you get of her as like her personality, and like we know she's got more, we know she can do so much more, but she's not using it. They're not letting her use it, or she's not using it. Whatever's yeah. going on, but it's, to me, she's just really boring as a heel. And yeah. I think that was my problem. Is I had you had Bailey that was a that's boring as a heel. Tamina, who is just a Boring piece of shit. Sorry, um, I, fucking, I fucking hate Tamina. I'm sorry. Um, and then you got Naomi, who's back. Like she came back at the Rumble or whatever, but she didn't do anything in this match. And then Sasha, like you said, Troy is very underutilized. I think Sasha's fantastic, but they just they she yeah. didn't do anything in this match. And then. You got Lacey Evans, who I, I kind of like lately, but she didn't really do anything either. And then she just pissed me off with that stupid salute at the end. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. They didn't, have a crowd, they, didn't have a, they didn't have a crowd, so they couldn't, cut, they couldn't cut to her daughter in the crowd picking her nose. <laughs> and that's what pissed me off, ultimately. Seriously. <laughs> so, yeah. Just like a very... Maybe it's more, like, underwhelming, like you said, but to me, just like... Ugh, did not do anything for me. And again, in this match, to me, I felt like it went on and on and on and on. Yeah, it was like 20 minutes, roughly. Yeah, it went on for a while. All right, well, why don't we jump to something completely different? The other, like, (laughs) experimental uh, match of night two. So night one, we had the Boneyard match. Night uh, two, we had... The Firefly Funhouse match, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. So, do you want me to take the floor oh, on man. this as well first so you guys can rebuttal? <laughs> man, this is probably my favorite segment of the whole two nights. I would completely agree. Where. As my arguments for the Boneyard match were like they had all the time in the world, all the editing skills at their disposal, and, and like they they just did that. Whereas this was com- they used all of their tools at their disposal to do something completely unique and like utterly ridiculous, but it works in the themes that they're going for. And I thought it was the most well-crafted thing of the entire WrestleMania event. And Dude, I, it's like watching, it's like watching a version of the Christmas Carol with John Cena's career. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I loved this. I, I, Ugh. I hope they don't like overdo stuff like this if they're gonna still do pre-tape stuff. But like much yeah. like the fiend, who I hope they also didn't overdo. They gave they put the championship on him right away, 
but like fucking this was amazing and this is like the best thing that can come out of doing a no audience pre-tape thing as they can be very experimental like this where you can do things that aren't necessarily a wrestling match but is still entertaining nonetheless because it's so unique and that's the one one word I hated Michael Cole saying is unique, unique, unique. But like this is something completely different, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, this was the segment of the two nights, like you guys said. Like so far out of the box that we've never seen anything like this, and it totally refueled and re-energized to me the Bray Wyatt fiend character Mm -hmm. oh like if they can just stick with this type of stuff and not like they do it every single show but that they can recall back to this type of stuff or that he can even just do little snippets of this type of a thing this is the thing that's going to like re-energize that character yeah and it's what better time to do it now than when they have all the time in the world to edit this stuff yep Yeah, without a doubt. Like I, uh, I even uh, I retweeted a thing on my Twitter where someone put up a like thread where they did like a total thesis statement on just this match, and it like lays it all out where it's like this whole match like deconstructs like John Cena's entire wrestling career down to even like his own insecurities, where it's like you can almost kind of see just based on, like, what he brings up, like, how he even beat John Cena, where you're like, fuck. Like, (laughs) it's like, you're, like, in his own head watching him be defeated. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And I love, like, like, if you're a fan of any time of John Cena's career, like, the callbacks to all of that. And they even brought back, like, the fist, like, the SmackDown fist. Like, they use yeah. so much of their props. They use so much of their callback ability to, like, the time, like, the video packages. Like, oh, my God. It was so... Even like, like, the footage from their library they bring in. Like, just doing all this shit where, like, Bray Wyatt's playing characters throughout John Cena's career. Or even, like, when Bray Wyatt's, like, fucking, like recreating like an Eric Bischoff Hulk Hogan moment. <laughs> it's like they they like find ways to like throw their library into this segment where it makes it make sense throughout and you're like god it's so fucking interesting. Yeah. Or the Saturday night's main event with Johnny Largemeat. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Largemeat. <laughs> um Yeah. So, so fucking good. I I was compelled all the way through. And then, like, you just watch it play out as a story. Like, you can watch, like, Bray Wyatt systematically break down all of John Cena's insecurities, where it's like, I almost kind of want to see what they do with him if John Cena comes back. Like, I feel like it would be make more sense than ever for him to come back as a heel after this. Yeah. Yeah, and it, oh man, I wanted, but I I'm more curious now to Troy. 
What makes you like this better than the Boneyard match? I feel like this was way more inventive. I feel like this is way more imaginative and could play with way more. Okay. Like they didn't even wrestle in this match at all. And I, and I loved it. That's how in, engulfed I was in what they were doing. And I want to actually know like whose idea was this? Like, was it Bray Wyatt's idea or was it like some writer or was it a collaboration between him and Cena? Like, I would like to think it maybe was Wyatt's idea to do this because, like, he's trying to, like, reinvent his own character or whatever. But, like, I... That's the reason I liked it. So I I actually read on that, uh, however much you can believe on the internet, but I read that it was Bray and Bruce Pritchard came up with the bulk of this entire segment. And then John Cena threw in little bits and pieces here and there. Okay. So it's totally like if, if, if Bray Wyatt's coming up with a lot of his character, like you can totally see Bray Wyatt throughout this entire segment. For sure. Oh yeah. Which is awesome. And it makes me, it makes me more interested in the fiend character than I was going into this match. Because when I think we talked about it, when Goldberg beat the fiend, I was totally fine with it because I it was getting so sick of the feet. Right. Yeah. But now I'm like, man, if we can see more of this stuff or like, you know, if the fiend can get into character, like feuds with different characters and get into their heads like this and eventually lead to stuff like this. How cool. Yeah. Bray Wyatt is like in a very interesting position where he doesn't even need to wrestle and still be eye catching, you know? Like all he has to do yeah. is oh, yeah. threaten, like to wrestle somebody to like maybe hint at the fiend coming out because that's what everybody wants to see is like a build up to that, and all he has to do is tease that on TV, and he's in the palm of people's hands. Like he doesn't even have to like be an arena at all. He can just pre-tape a bunch of shit, and like I would still be fine with that, you know? Like yeah, and. It- and I think it's so like it, it goes to like all the gimmicks that he's got around him because he's got the Firefly Funhouse, he's got the characters within the Firefly Funhouse, he's got the Fiend character. Like it's not just Bray Wyatt as Bray Wyatt, right? It's so many different aspects to the character of Bray Wyatt, which is what makes it so cool. Yeah, and even if he wanted to go back to that like Louisiana rocking chair <laughs> gimmick. I'm okay with that because I never dis ended up disliking that. I, I like to see him oh, refresh, no. but like, I I like I think like a couple of years ago, I thought he was gonna be like the next like Undertaker, like with like a grandiose entrance and have like this big like um like mystique around him, and it, it never really quite happened. But it now I think with the reinvention with this i think it now can again like get to that get to that grandioseness i like i don't know if that can ever happen again but like it can get pretty damn close and i think that it could be him uh well Well, yeah uh do you want to i uh like oh go ahead joel oh like i was just gonna say like uh there's another thing that i found on on twitter 
where like someone put up like the the entire layout of Bray Wyatt as the fiend as he's been going on, and like he has its whole like thesis that like Bray Wyatt has been fixing all the people that he's beaten. Where like uh it's like when he first beat Finn Balor, he went back to NXT where he was the most successful. And then uh when he beat Seth Rollins, he went back to being like the self serving heel that he was and Miz became like an ego like an egotistical maniac after he beat him. And then Daniel Bryan went back to like the whole yes thing after he beat him. And the only person he couldn't beat was Goldberg because Goldberg never changed. <laughs> That's crazy. Where it was like and it's like, fuck, that makes so much sense. Like it's just like there's like this weird, deep underlying thing with Bray Wyatt and the Fiend that like it's so fucking interesting. And then like I feel like the whole funhouse match was like the the culmination of it where you can kind of see where all of that I that idea of storytelling is coming from where it's like like if this was in front of a live crowd you would just see it in the form of a match but because they had to they had so much to work with like you can see it in its true infantile state like he plays it out where there's no limits and oh, it was so fucking interesting it yes. was for sure well, why do, why don't we move on cuz we're getting a little long-winded here, but um <laughs> <laughs> the the so Wikipedia says that there's two more matches, but the last match on the card is Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. Um the last one they have is a dark match with Drew McIntyre and The Big Show. I think that was on Raw. Oh. Yeah, so I can explain that one after the Drew and Brock if you want to. Yeah, that's fine. Sure. So Drew and Brock. I um So being that like there's no audience or whatever, it's kind of weird <laughs> to watch this again cuz like this was like a uh, another Lesnar like kind of quick quick match, but it also it it did work in Drew McIntyre's favor as he did win over Brock and uh, but I like that it, he just kept overcoming him and overcoming him and from the Rumble um, where he uh, eliminated Brock Lesnar he just shows that he's like the next new like formidable guy there and now he's like the top of the totem pole and I really like as I I don't know like a shit about Drew McIntyre at all. But, like, from, like, the Rumble on, like, I, he's had, like, a great showing for me. And, like, I'm, like, 100% behind him now. Like, I think he's quite awesome. Yeah, they yeah. they did an awesome job of building Drew up. Because, mm -hmm. like you said, like, you just kind of laid out there, Troy. Like, they have made him the guy. Like, they made him the guy that stopped Lesnar in the Rumble. They made him the guy that stood up to Lesnar for the last two months and really had his number. And if they would have had Lesnar win at Mania, he would have been just like everybody else. Yeah. But the fact that he continued to have Lesnar's number and has beaten Lesnar at Mania, it makes him the guy in every in, in the eyes of the fans. And he should be. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Like this is this is probably the match that probably hurt me the most because there wasn't a crowd reaction because I wanted it so much for Drew McIntyre. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like, and it's Brock is so good. Like Brock feeds off of that crowd and being the fucking asshole to that crowd into yep. that guy that he's yep. working against and not having the crowd was like, man, like I totally agree with you, Bucky. Like that. It just a an 80,000 seat crowd would have made this match an amazing match. And without it, it was just a good match. Yeah. Yeah. And God, just it, I almost like fucking like wanted to reach out and just like cheer for him when like at the end after he wins and he's just reaching towards the camera and you're like, man, I just want, I just want like people to just spontaneously appear and just start cheering for you. <laughs> Cause I can, yeah. I, I can feel like you just, you just want that recognition that you've made it to this point, but yet you, you can't because like nothing will allow it right now. Did you guys happen to watch the Chronicle on Drew McIntyre on the network? No. I saw a little bit of it, but not too much. You need to watch it, especially now since you know we're not doing anything in this quarantine. You have to watch <laughs> it because if you didn't feel bad for him just watching Mania, you will feel so awful for him watching this Chronicle. Because in the Chronicle, it shows that they sent him to back home to Scotland to film like a bunch of training vignettes of going home to his homeland and training in like the mountains and stuff. The yeah. guy literally, like, he's in Europe for he's in England for like a day visiting family, and they're filming him. The next day, he gets to Scotland. He like lands in Scotland, and he gets a call from WWE saying, "We're flying you back home immediately. There's going to be a travel ban." You cannot be stuck in Scotland. Oh fuck! Oh, fuck. And and the, and the emotion on his face because they're like right there in the moment. The producers are with him. They're like, well, "What do you think this means for Mania?" He goes, "I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it." <laughs> like you can in the, in that moment, you can just see like he knows either it's not going to happen or so, something's going to happen where it's not the moment he knows it should be. Shit. Yeah, and you just you feel so awful for the guy. Shit, I I was reading something uh that just came out like right before we were recording, where so he he this is all pre-taped and he he wins the belt right, and so he takes it and he goes home with it and he throws it in his closet, and then when he doesn't even look at it until WrestleMania is over and he rewatches it until he can finally get out and appreciate that he won the belt. And so, it, like, it also, it's not like he's carrying it around and, like, it's leaked that he won the title or whatever. But, like, he also rewatched his match and got to appreciate him winning. And, like, he got the title belt out, like, that night after he watched it and was, like, he felt like he deserved it and earned it at that point in time. And it was like, well, that's a pretty heartfelt thing to say. I don't know if it's true, but, like, it sounds good. So, like, good for him. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, yeah, like you said, though, Bucky, this is, like, you feel for one guy for this whole, like, no fans type of thing. It's Drew because for 35 other WrestleManias, somebody has had their WrestleMania moment. Yeah. 
And this is the one that's like, yeah, you had your mania moment, but it's not like anybody yeah. else's. Yeah, you, yeah, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. Uh, that recognition from like thousands of fans that right. you did something, or yeah, the fireworks like, going what, off yeah. all around the stadium and all yeah. that shit. Yep, like that point where like he, well, like he's just like kneeling in the ring and he reaches out to the camera. I'm like, oh, I want. I want to put people there. Just like I want, like the people behind the camera, just start screaming your name. Just somebody to just be like, "You did something." Because like, I don't know. Like, he, I, I've seen him for long enough, where like I know like the shit that he's gone through, and it's, it's like to this point, I feel like he deserved this. Like, out of any anyone that did this, he deserves it. Yeah. And it's still cool. He's still the top of the mountain now, but it's not. He didn't get that moment. Yeah. And that moment is what, like, when and when he found out, probably back in like February or January, hey, you're gonna beat Brock for the belt and Mania. He had such a different thing in his mind than what actually yeah. came to be. Yeah. Like, like I, I watched that Chronicle thing up to where he's where he wins a Royal Rumble and it's so different up to that point where it's like you can see so much optimism in his face it's like I'm winning the Rumble I'm going to go to Wrestlemania I'm going to win the belt to where it's like now you're in front of nobody <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah if you go back it's and like, finish that chronicle like, yeah we're like it feels like the Rumble's like a bigger moment for him than at the actual Wrestlemania was Totally, yeah. It's in front of sixty thousand people, not in front of eleven camera guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, so what was that uh, McIntyre Big Show thing? What is that? So they showed on Raw, very strange. They went. They showed on Raw like, oh, last night, twenty minutes after the main event ended, and they showed that on the screen. So super strange. They put twenty minutes after. So. Apparently, 20 minutes after, people just hung out in the building, and <laughs> and they had some random chick. It's not Kathy Kelly. It's one of the random backstage interview chicks come out and call out Drew McIntyre for an in-ring interview 20 minutes after he just won the belt. So Drew makes another entrance out. And starts cutting a promo about how he's so grateful and he's so happy and all this and blah, blah, blah. And then the big show's music hits, who has not been on TV in like nine months. And he comes out with a ref and he starts smack and talk to, talking smack to Drew about like, oh, you, you know, you're probably not a real man to take on me. You can beat one man, but can... And Drew's like... I'm not going to face you. I just wrestled. I'm not going to wrestle you. So Big Show slaps him, and then they have a world title match. <laughs> and Drew, they, they went like 10 minutes, and Drew beats him. So now their big thing is, oh, Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar, but he also beat the Big Show in the same night. And they, it's so, oh, my God, it made me so mad, being the historian nostalgic freak that I am. One of the stupid announcers, it wasn't anybody that I know, said, never before has there been a challenge laid down after a world title match at WrestleMania. You fucking dumbass, oh, have no. you not watched WrestleMania 9? Like, 
Yokozuna beat Bret Hart, and Hulk Hogan immediately came out and challenged him and beat him, like, right there. Like, it was it was the main event. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's so they, they, they say it was right after the, the Brock Lesnar match, and it, it just so dumb. Why is anybody still there? Why is Drew coming out for an in-ring interview 20 minutes after in front of no fans? <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> well, it's too, One of the dumber things I've seen. It's to promote his new show, The Big Show Show. <laughs> it probably was. Ugh. Yeah. I actually got a text <laughs> from my brother today asking why that has to be a thing. Like, why is The Big Show in his own sitcom? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Because these are the end times, that's why. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> uh, so overall, being that it is the most unique WrestleMania ever, what did you guys think overall of the show? Jeez, okay, Michael Cole. <laughs> um, I'll go first. I was thoroughly entertained. I went into this thinking it was going to be awful and a chore to watch and not entertaining in the least and came out of it with apparently three and a half hours worth of talking points. And... <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was entertaining. I found myself at some points being like, man, this is boring. But on a lot of points being like, you know what? This is WrestleMania. It's different. It's unique. But it's <laughs> WrestleMania. And yeah. it was entertaining. And I and I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah. Uh... yeah for, for me, it was it was definitely it was odd. But I mean, I had fun with it. Like I I thought for what what's happening now, I thought it was a good experimental way of seeing how you could take wrestling to like another, another means. And I appreciate it for what, for, for that, for what it was like, even seeing like, like, I think you could probably say this for like everything that's going on nowadays where you can see how people are thriving and how people are not during all of this. And, Watching this WrestleMania, you can kind of see like the performers that thrived and the people that didn't, based on the fact that there was no audience, and it changed things up and made it, it made me see wrestling in a different light in certain ways. So I really appreciate it for that. Yeah, for um, the limitations that they had, and for having them have to do their biggest show of the year, I thought it was as good as it probably could have been. Um, it, it just with the hindrance of like the no audience, some of the matches were a little bit awkward, but just as you said, uh, JT, like the stars will shine like through of like having that kind of like a, a bit of a hindrance. And overall, I think it, it was a good show. Like it's, it's too bad that it had to be like this, but, um, I think it was the best thing it could have been. And um, I, I'm looking forward to when an audience can come back. <laughs> but <laughs> I think they Definitely. made they made uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. So I, I thought I thought it was pretty good. So that's that's it. Totally. That's, 
That's what uh, that's what we thought about WrestleMania 36. We're already over two hours and 15 minutes. We talked longer about this than we did the wrestler. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was just over one thing. So, but I think a lot of great talking points were had in this. And like, granted, it is like a super long show for a uh, super long uh, event. So, how about that? Uh, uh, Coach Havens, if, if people want to find you on the internets, where can they do so? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Havens, and uh, I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook. I do a lot of stalking on Instagram, creeping around, you know what I mean, going under the covers. Uh, on Facebook, <laughs> I do more, um, but uh, yeah, I'm out there. If you want to see me, I'm out there. Talk to me, please. I need help. <laughs> well, it's really late. <laughs> it is. It is near one in the morning. Uh, my goodness, JT, if people want to hit you up and talk wrestling to you, where can they do that? Hey brother, find me at Bucky Forever on Twitter. Also Bucky Forever on Instagram, Bucky Forever on Snapchat. Troy, you can find me at Troy to the max on Twitter. You can find both me and JT at review review pod on Twitter while there vote for the tournament of random movies. This week is. Cowboys and Aliens versus The Longest Yard. <laughs> so hit up that poll right quick. Uh, all of our episodes are uploaded onto reviewreviewpod.podbean.com as well as almost any other podcasting hosting site, so you can find us anywhere. If you want to write into the show, you can do so at reviewreviewpod at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this Monday's ep. Hopefully you are enjoying the self-quarantining as much as we are watching uh, obscure wrestling events <laughs> and uh, movies from 2008. But uh, <laughs> uh, Cole Avens, thanks for uh, uh, joining us again for this. Always a pleasure. Thank you, coach. guys. Whirlwind Adventure. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, yeah. uh, JT, we did a good thing here. We did a good thing. We did this evening. And then we're probably going to do a bad thing this Thursday when we talk about cats. (laughs) We did a bad, bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so catch us with hopefully Ramundo Chaw back on the show uh, for our review of cats. Oh boy. Yes. (laughs) Good God. Um, so that'll be coming up down the pipeline. So until then, I have been Troy to the max extreme. Hey, I'm JT3K. And we are off.